Welcome back, everyone. This is, of course, Carlo. Uh, this is Podside, and we are also in our uh, next episode, or I believe this is our third uh, ongoing episode of the Year of the New Sun, uh, where we will be discussing the Shadow of the Torturer, chapters 11 through 15, or if you have the book in front of you, that would be XI with XVI. Um, and with me, President XI, fire the rockets. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there's one of one of the people that's going to be discussing this with us today. Hello, uh, please present <laughs> <What>? yourself. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I have to say, what if? What if President Z was like replaced? Uh, Z, I guess, was replaced w- with a guy who was also named President Z, but it was XII. Instead, <laughs> people need to remember. It's, I, I, so, I'm sorry. It's it's so, me, the Lictor of Dibley, which is a joke that neither of you got when I made it before before the, the podcast began. Thir- third time's a charm, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Well, there's there is something to be said for telling a joke until it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually uh I I'm hoping you'll talk through that a little bit in the episode but uh I will I will yes it won't it won't you know what here I'll I'll, I'll just do it now really really quickly Okay but first say uh, your name dude I'm Kurt Everybody, everybody knows who I am <laughs> yeah, I know. everyone knows who I am too I told Hi, you guys, I, I was the Lictor of Dibley uh which which I, so so real quick one Lictor of Thrax one of the coolest chapter titles I have, have 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 ever seen. I know that it means something very straightforward, but it's just it's just it's just got like a nice crunchy feel to it. So, uh, in the '90s, there was a very corny British sitcom called The Vicar of Dibley, which was about um, a like very like traditional. I, I think it was like like a Northern English um, town that gets sent uh, a, uh, a a female vicar. Um, and it's it's like a whole scandal, and so it's kind of like a it's like a hot fuzz type setup. So much like much like is happening in the plot of these chapters, it's about you know a a church functionary getting sent to this distant you know town uh, who is maybe different than what they were expecting. So anyway, that's all that I could think of when I saw the Lictor of Thrax was uh, the Lictor <laughs> of Dibley, where in, instead of instead of an Anglican vicar. Uh, they get uh, Severian of the Guild of Torture. <laughs> <laughs> just, I'm just suddenly imagining, uh, like, like in the ongoing joke in Roadhouse, where everyone like looks at Severian and says, I-, "I thought you'd be bigger. <laughs> <laughs> I thought your sword would be bigger." <laughs> so, um, oh, oh, uh, you, you mentioned uh, XI, uh, and you you reminded me, Kurt, of. Um, one of my, one of my own little weird theories, where uh, you you remember in Dune the the planet called Ix? Yes, yes. I, what I if it agree was, with this. What if it was a Roman numeral nine, and actually that was the <laughs> out the outmost like the 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 sort of like the basically the ninth planet, and it's like actually Pluto, and no one knows mm-hmm. it because they've forgotten where Earth is and where the original uh, system was. But, uh, it, you know, it just to, uh, happens to turn out that Ix is actually Pluto. So, anyway. Well, I, Pluto is not a planet, but a planetoid, and so it certainly wouldn't be a planet 10,000 years in the future either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's Excuse like me. retconning, man. Um, <laughs> so, I, I, I independently believe most of that, uh, to wit that uh, Ix is the name because it's the ninth planet, and perhaps they counted from the outside in. I don't know. But uh, 
but I mean, it makes sense because like that is the 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 world of the the mechanics, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that's that's like where the where like the weird ge- like genetic engineer people live, right? The Tuliaxu. No, no. No, that's, that's yeah, Tuli- no, the, Tuliaxu. These are these are the ones who get as close to robotics and stuff as they can. Oh, the, those are the ones that gave uh, Duncan Idaho uh, his his new eyes. Which uh, <laughs> now that I say that, I just think of the uh, Aqua Teen <laughs> Hunger Force episodes. Like your eyes, they look weird. <laughs> oh, oh you know, what it makes me think is uh, uh, you're living in your own Duncan Idaho. It always rolls into my head when someone says that. <laughs> My own private Duncan Idaho. Yes, your private Duncan Idaho. Yep, yep, yep. Anyway, I mean, uh, he, he we're is, talking about Dune tonight, house. apparently. Yeah. <laughs> apparently, well, I mean, let let's face it, Dune is um is of a piece with the 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 idea of like deep time that uh, that yeah. I think Wolf is really uh, really getting into here um with with his series. Uh, so so I do think it's it's sort of um appropriate definitely and you know uh, it, it also has like that um i, I know that i i think i've mentioned this before uh but it bears repeating that uh dune is definitely one of those books that has like this weird contradiction within its own um sort of world building if you will you know it's, a, it's the far future but somehow the far future feels very medieval yeah with technology mm-hmm. uh and it feels very much like <laughs> like uh you know nessus and uh if you sort of squinted a little bit at uh what exactly you know the the weaponry that uh, some people are carrying and whatnot you'd be like hmm are they are they carrying like weird laser rifles what what's going on here Oh anyway, yeah. Well, uh, you you can't use those because if it touches a shield wall, there's a nuclear explosion. <laughs> <laughs> in Dune, perhaps the Askians use it uh, in <laughs> in uh, Shadow of the Torture. <laughs> to your point, though, um, these these five chapters got very very aesthetic. I feel like um, like if the first ten chapters were like you know. The first five laid out the world, and the next ten expanded it. It feels like now, you know, we we have reached the ass end of the drawing of the horse, and it's very detailed and shaded in, right? Like you're getting <laughs> like a really fine, finely, you know, fine grain look at the aesthetics of the world. And it is interesting to me just how like Byzantine and um like like Holy Roman Empire ish it is because. Oh. And it's interesting to think about that in the context of a work like Dune, because that that like extremely baroque visual sensibility, I feel like is something that that it, it is it is present to an extent in in the novel. Um, but that really feels like something that really got hammered out in the David Lynch uh film. And mm-hmm. I feel like you can draw a line from Dune the book to Dune, the David Lynch film, to Warhammer 40K, which has a similar aesthetic and was heavily inspired by Dune. But the visual looks much more like the David Lynch film than than it does just like the way that things are described in the novel. However, this novel, uh, which which predates, which is, is I think it was 1980, we said, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so it's I, I believe that Dune was 82, I think. So this is a little bit before Dune the movie, and it's about nine years before Warhammer feels like it like it in in description has fully realized the aesthetics that would later appear in in you know in film form, which is it's it's interesting. Like it's almost like it's almost like Warhammer like I I don't know how much Warhammer drew directly from Book of the New Sun. I know one thing that it did, though, which I will mention later. Um, but but you could you could believe that it aesthetically drew from this book a lot. Yeah. Uh, Kurt, Kurt, may, may I just point out that you 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 pulled a Severian, right? <laughs> this it's, very important detail, which I'll get to later. <laughs> I did, it's, yes. It's actually um, at some point during our lifetimes, this has become a genre like Dune, New Sun, uh, uh, Warhammer. And I'm not talking grimdark. I'm talking about sort of the, the, the far future and technological breakdown. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Faded Sun. Like there's, there's just, there's definitely things in this category and there's enough of it. I think that, that if you wanted to draw a line around it, you could, but like, yeah. this isn't, this isn't TV tropes. So fuck that. I'm just saying that, you know, there's, there's a, there's an orbit of things there that, that is, that it is uh, relate to each other in a way that, that I like. I mean, I, I like the, the mini genre, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm fully convinced that this is a mini genre that arises from people having spent time in old churches as children, which is something that I did, and it's where my brain immediately goes, right? Like, I went I went to school in an old-ass building with an old-ass chapel in it, and whenever, whenever it starts talking about chapels in this, I feel like I'm back in those ancient pews looking at, you know, hymnal uh, numbers up on those little, you know, clickety-clackety wooden boards – while there's like a dusty candelabra over my head. It feels so, like I, I am instantly there. Kurt, how old do you think the buildings are in the Midwest? But, but uh, my, I would guess my, the <laughs> oldest ones are probably from like the 1870s, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm oldest. just saying we don't have a lot of ancient. So I yeah, mean, yeah, maybe yeah. – uh, I, I, guess, I guess I can't think of any authors particularly that are from uh, the Midwest that, that – dabbled in this so what you know you, that could be dead on well well catholicism and to a lesser degree anglicanism i i think Im- impose ancientness intentionally so like like especially from that time of you know american expansion right because i mean the you know the school that I the the building that I was just talking about isn't any older than like probably the 1880s or 1890s, but it it seems very old because it was designed to look that way. So mm-hmm. because we're Americans and we want things to seem old and European, or, or we did that anyway. The the only other thing I'm thinking about, which is definitely unrelated, but we're just talking at this point. I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, there's a it, Lake Havasu in Arizona. Is just sort of this little resort town. <laughs> you know what I'm talking I'm about sorry. already, huh? Yeah. Isn't that where, the, that where, where uh, London Bridge is? Yeah, yeah. Like, so some asshole millionaire decided he wanted an old bridge in the middle of Arizona, so they they shipped London Bridge brick by brick and reassembled it there. So you have this Arizona retirement town with London Bridge in it, and like a very small park area with like. British flags in it, and that's it. Like they don't even serve English food. <laughs> Do you know why I, I mean, know that? 
it's a plot point in the uh, Michael Douglas movie Falling Down. I Oh really? Mm-hmm. I, don't I don't remember, remember that. that. I mean, I, I it's why, I it's why the you. movie is called Falling Down. Mm, okay, because his wife that. wants to move to Lake Havasu to see ah. London Bridge, and at mm. one point he sings to her, "London Bridge is falling down, hence falling down." Name ah. Anyway, anyway, I'm sorry. This just got way off the rails. <laughs> this, this Much is like Severian's <laughs> uh, 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 stewardship of Thecla following her torture with the revolutionary. <laughs> yeah. I yes. There's a broad thing I want to say here about these. Is I for the first time in this, the move from chapter fourteen to fifteen was a little jarring for me. Like I, I felt like fifteen was really where they started launching in a in a new direction, where where our good buddy Severian wasn't so deep up his own ass. And it was, uh, I it, it took me a second to to get into the swing of it. Yeah, you know what it reminded me of? It, it reminded me of um, the part in uh, – it, it reminded me of when the journey proper begins in Fellowship of the Ring, where you mm. get done with all the throat clearing of Gandalf coming and going and people having parties and hobbits sneaking around. And then it's like, all right, now we're out on the road and we're walking and we're going to have an adventure. It reminded me very much of that. That's nice. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it does. Um, I I do have to th- uh, say, uh, Pete, you and to your point, Kurt, that I I do laugh uh, at the part where um, speaking of Severian being up his own ass, where he's like off thinking about like, oh, you know, where the road's going to take him and blah blah, and uh, and so he's he's sitting in Palaman's uh, Master Palaman's uh, study. And he says, Severian, you're not listening. You weren't such a bad pupil when, when I, when you were my student, I was telling you all about, you know, all this advice about how to manage, uh, you know, moving on the road, but now you'll have to do without it. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> yeah. I want to know. I want to know what was the advice. Well, apparently because uh, Severian, uh, you know, he, he's got perfect recall, but if he doesn't pay attention, <laughs> yeah, and that is, that is one of the more limited superpowers I've ever seen. Because, like, I don't pay attention to anything. Like, if I had his power, I wouldn't even know. Well, I so so okay. So he mentions. I, I think he brings it up. It's either once or twice in in this sequence of chapters. And I feel like every time he brings up his uh, his perfect his perfect memory, it's it's to make an excuse for not remembering something. <laughs> where, yeah, where, because like in this case, he's like, you know, I got drunk. Uh, and maybe maybe I forgot. Maybe I forgot what happened. But I think actually I was asleep because I remember everything and I never forget anything. And so I couldn't have forgotten a- anything that happened. I definitely would have remembered it if I'd been awake. So I think I was asleep and not drunk. Um, but of course, I remember everything. Believe you me. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we could also just be like, uh, you know, this is after all, he's telling us this story uh, now that he is the autark. Um, and it's, it's a weird, uh, trick, right? Because he's, he's sort of eliding or omitting certain things. Uh, we could call it lying perhaps um, (laughs) to make himself, to make himself, um, you know, seem like a better person or in the case. So this is one of these things that, um, that I've thought about because, uh, if, if we are going to think of Severian as sort of like a, a stand in 
or a Christ-like figure where, you know, he is sort of a stand-in for, for Christ in this story. It reminds me of uh, the the rhetorical trick where a lot of the um, the the retellings in the Gospels uh, have specifically the apostles come come out looking like absolute fools, um, and in part because they want to really hammer home that they're fallible or what have you, but fallible in very particular ways. So I'm I'm going to do what I definitely should not do here and do a brief digression. Uh, yeah, I am a. Um, it as per my want in these, I am drinking some beer from Bootstrap Brewing, and I pulled a couple of the cans out, and they've got rabid animals all over them, and I'm <laughs> terrified. I sent a picture to you guys in Discord so you can take a look, but like, what the hell is going on here? Is this uh, the 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 horrible rabbit from the eighties uh, Twilight Zone movie? Uh, it could be, or it could be like a, a maybe the rabbits are Tharn. I don't know. But, <laughs> but and then you know the other one has beavers on them, and those beavers look like like I don't know uh, iguanas going in for the kill. I don't know what's happening. Which mm. which is not relevant. I'd like to reemphasize <laughs> that important fact. You're just uh, trying to document your your present state of mind, which seems to be <laughs> Guys, disturbed. I am, I am all over the map. <laughs> it kind of reminds so, the, um, the, the 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 rabbit one kind of reminds me of a uh, a uh, children's book that uh, I read to my kids, whose name escapes me right now, but I know it's an old one with new art. So. A, a useless digression from me. I, I apologize. Oh, no, no, but, that's yeah. Um, I, oh. I, I can only remember the author Abdul Azhared. I, <laughs> uh, well then, um, so uh, do we? Do we want to go ahead and uh, talk a little bit about? Um, I guess we should probably talk about the feast. We should talk about the feast, which is cool yeah. and sounds great, and. Um, has uh i i love the descriptions of the food this has some some positively martinian descriptions of food or you might say uh <laughs> martin has some positively wolfian descriptions of food i suppose well you know uh it, it, yeah the food actually sounds like like descriptive enough to make you sort of hungry if you're reading this but it also sounds a little gross too like it sounds it sounds like medieval food where like so like apparently so so like uh, it, high cuisine in the late medieval and and uh, era was mostly not about taste it was about like ostentation and so uh, like apparently things would people would do things like sculpt these big like like uh, di dioramas out of like beef fat mm -hmm. and like dye them different colors and like the food wouldn't necessarily taste any good, but it would look really cool. And there's something <laughs> about reading this. By the way, the fucking word beeves, beeves, the plural of beef, beeves, B-E-E-V-E-S. <laughs> that hit me like a fucking train, man. I was like, wow, I've never been to a dinner with beeves or capybara for that matter. Um, and I was reading, I was like, this sounds sticky and sweat. This sounds like sweaty ass food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah like just just do like just covered in like little sweat yeah, uh, from like the sugar and whatnot and it's like yeah somebody yeah, let me, a let me go of ahead olive and, oil and just fucking pour it all over everything 
So uh, let me let me go ahead and, and read a little bit about that because that is actually uh, it is described in a very uh, like like you said, Kurt. It is described in a very um, it has a very lively description. But once you start thinking about well, what would that taste like? You're like, mm, I don't know. It doesn't sound very good. <laughs> so um, uh, none but the torturers then come to the chapel on the Holy Catherine's Day. Yet each year. Knowing we are watched from high windows, we prepare as do all the rest. And more grandly, outside the chapel, our wines burn like gems in the light of a hundred flambeaux. Our beeves steam and wallow in ponds of gravy. (laughs) Rolling baked lemon eyes, capybaras and agoutis poised in stances of life, and bearing fur in which toasted coconut mingles with their own flayed skin, clamber on logs of ham and scale boulders of new baked bread. <laughs> Look, so I want to say I I saw a capybara about five days ago in person at mm-hmm. uh, at strangely an aquarium in Austin. It was a it was great, but it actually had more non fish than fish. I would say, and one of them was a capybara. And uh, it this this hit me because capybaras are adorable. Um, mm-hmm. I would not eat a capybara. I would not either. I hope Severian didn't. He sounded like he mostly drank. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. Um, also, I, I do want to point out that there's a great, uh, uh, apparently a a more recent uh, legend about uh, their their feast. Um, but I do want to point out that uh, when they're talking about Holy Catherine Day. Uh, it is based off of, if I'm not mistaken, it's Catherine Ale- Alexandria, or oh, al- also known as that. also known as Catherine of the Wheel. Um, uh, the 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 I think that the uh, hints here are that they they have this entire sort of like uh, almost a passion play where um, someone uh, adopts the role of Maxentius. Um, which I believe was one of the emperors. I think this was in, um, this might've been in Byzantium uh, or not. I don't know. I I have a, a fun fact about Capybara, which absolutely relates to what's going on here, guys. I believe you, Pete. <laughs> I believe you. The Vatican declared that Capybara was a type of fish. Huh. So that Catholics in South America could well, could have the feast of seven fishes and yeah, yeah. meet on on Fridays and whatnot. Exactly. And like for Lent and all of that stuff. And it's it's apparently a delicacy in like Argentina and Brazil. So I mean like he's he's not he's not riding it out of his ass so, here. I mean it, it makes they're sense. They're so that- cute though. They're so cute though. It looks like you got like forty guinea pigs and crushed them together into a giant diamond. Like they're Look- so cute. They're so cute. <laughs> Like if we were going to only eat animals that were ugly, it would be lobster every night, my friend. <laughs> that sounds fucking great, man. <laughs> uh, do you? But speaking of ugly ass stuff, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, what's it called? Uh, 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 sea bass. What the hell is that? It's, it's, Chilean uh, sea bass. Yes, thank you, Chilean sea bass. Do you, do you know the actual name of Chilean sea bass? I remember you know, it's really unappetizing. It's it's pa- Patagonian toothfish, <laughs> <laughs> and it looks like shit. It looks like a, the most fucked up fish you've ever seen. Um, and there was like there was like a genius marketing guy 
in, I want to say like the early to mid nineties, who was like, I got all this fucked up fish that nobody wants to buy because it's ugly as shit. Um, how am I going to get people to buy this fish? Uh, I know I'll, I'll call it Chilean sea bass. <laughs> and, and now it's super popular. So, uh, there you go. Marketing folks. I guess I, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, uh, back to the, to the feast. So yeah, they, they reenact like this passion play, um, with, uh, St. Catherine and no, I, I, I was wrong. Uh, it is not Byzantium. It is actually Roman, but, uh, is, in any it, case, it is late, late Roman though. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It is about that. It's very late Roman. Um, but, but the thing that really, uh, sort of made me laugh a little bit or chuckle a little bit was the, uh, the other legend that they had about, uh, people who are, uh, sort of superstitious about attending the feasts. Oh God. Uh, I love this. I, I had to say, I, I want a short story about this guy. It sounds so fucking cool. That's so a great. great, that's a great setup. The idea of like some idiot who gets dared to go to the feast of the torturers and is like, I'm just a guy. I'm here with all the torturers <laughs> having their big feast. Like that sounds that, that, that to me sounds like a great premise. Um, yeah. if, if, uh, if Zelazny had written this, he would have written that as like a little excerpt that he would have, you know, p- submitted somewhere as a standard I mean, short story. To be, to be fair, I, I, I haven't really, uh, cracked, um, the, uh, what is it? The castle of the otter, which is, uh, filled with, I guess, uh, essays and other little sort of per, per uh, like peripheral stuff from the book of the new sun, book of the long sun, all that stuff. Um, uh, titled because apparently Gene Wolfe delighted that someone mis uh, misremembered or misnamed his book. <laughs> the Autark? <laughs> yes. It's like the Castle of the Otter or something. I don't know. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so um, so let me let me just uh, tell this because it, it's it's written in such a way, like you said, Kurt, I could I could probably, yeah, like listen or, or read a, a, a novelette or even a novella just about this guy. Um, so uh, it says that uh, no one from without the guild has dined with us at Holy Catherine's feast for more than 300 years when a Lieutenant of the guard, so it is said, dared to come for a wager. There are many idle tales of what befell him as that we made him seat himself at our table upon a chair of glowing iron. None of them are true. By the lore of our our guild, he was made welcome and well-feasted. But because he did not, over our meat and Catherine cake, talk of the pain, because we did not, over our meat and Catherine cake, talk of the pain we had inflicted, or devise new modes of torment, or curse those whose flesh we had torn for dying too soon, he grew ever more anxious, imagining that we sought to lull his fears so we might entrap him subsequently. Thus thinking, he ate little and drank much, and returning to his own quarters, fell and struck his head in such a way that he evermore upon occasion lost his wits and suffered great pain. In time, he put the muzzle of his own weapon into his mouth, but it was none of our doing. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, it, it starts as a funny, as a funny, like, anecdote, and then it's like, yeah, and then he died. He killed himself. <laughs> Which seems appropriate for something a a story that the torturers would tell themselves, and uh, yeah, it's it's very much like a yeah, it's it it is it is funny how it feels like um uh it feels like an ex- it feels like an unasked for excuse, 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it's like, like, like almost like uh, the, the way that the narration delivers it, pardon me, is like it starts off excited to tell this funny story. And then like as it goes on in the paragraph, it's like, I need to emphasize that this was not our fault. <laughs> we didn't kill yeah. him. We really yeah. didn't kill him. It just it just went really bad. And then, my my you know, t-shirt just... saying we didn't kill <laughs> yes. our feast guests. <laughs> you you, you, st- you stole it straight from my mouth, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> my my t-shirt sa- explaining that our dinner guests are not in danger <laughs> has people questions, <laughs> making questions about. Um, but yeah, so uh, I, I I just love that little anecdote and, and yeah like like you said kurt it, it sort of like starts off like hey check out this funny story and then like you start <laughs> noticing that the other person grows more and more horrified and you're like and i, I just uh, you know it this ends badly but i wanted to let so, you know not it wasn't deal, our fault but yeah um it's it, it, it's also funny because like um the this the the book is really good about playing up the torturers as being like they're not so bad right like they're just like us like they're just like you know they're just like doing a job it's fine and then like the chapter after this is the worst shit that has happened in the book so far and it's oh, so God. bad it's so fucked up and you're like uh i what's what, what tell me more about the feasts please yeah <laughs> well i mean yeah it, it gets it gets right to it that uh you know like this is what their job is. And, and I think that that, uh, I would probably say that that's probably true of most anyone in their job. I mean, granted, uh, you know, if, if you're uh, a bricklayer, it's not that bricklaying is a particularly, you know, uh, socially uh, looked down upon job or anything like that. It's just simply like, that's part of your job. You need to do this. Yeah. Which uh, reminds and- me, I want you to try my Amontillado. Carlo, but uh, <laughs> oh. Oh, okay. I'm, no, sure, but, I'm sure nothing will happen. <laughs> but uh, like, if if that next chapter hadn't been what it is, like all of this, look at how jolly and normal we are. The the like the, the previous chapter wouldn't have made any sense in context. I mean, I think the only reason you would normalize a torturer's guild is to to come back with with the horrible. Yeah. yeah well, so you know, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Uh, go go ahead, Kurt. Oh, I was going to say. Um, you know what? No, you should go ahead because I'm going to take this in, in in like a stupid direction that's going to go on for five minutes. So yeah, please, I, please I, I feel thing. I feel like Carlo is carrying us through this episode. Yeah, man. please do this. Please, please, please go ahead. I'm just like both of you are like on my back, and I'm like, Ugh. I am. Um, I I in the manner of an Elden Ring mini boss have fallen to the ground and exposed my weak spot, and I'm saying, please hit me and do massive damage. So, please so, go ahead. so I I also want to point out a a a, a some. Something I was thinking about a little earlier, which is that so the odd thing about the feast and how it's carried out and basically the torturers take on the role uh, of the the torturers of their patron in in their own passion play. Right. Uh, but at the same time have adopted the patron saint that they, they sort of spiritually torture every year. Um, it is an odd thing. I feel like they've identified with both um, their client and their, and their job. Yeah. Uh, it's such a weird thing. A, 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 I guess like a, I don't even know if it's like a logical thing or it's simply a rhetorical thing type of thing where you're you're both 
torturer and tortured? Well, as as middle management, um, I, I have a theory on this, uh, <laughs> uh, which which uh, is uh, generally speaking, sadists make poor torturers because mm. they want to inflict maximum damage because they're getting off on it. It's like well, I mean, the, but that you 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 joked, Pete, but that is exactly remember that that's exactly their practice. The whenever they they open their doors to new apprentices, the guys that are sitting there like, look at this dog I fucked up, check out how fucked up I made it. You know, I killed it and I flayed it, and you're like, mm, no, <laughs> we don't yeah. need your your services. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I mean, I think about movies like Brazil or things like, oh, well, I mean, uh, heck, Terry Pratchett did a whole thing about this on Torturers in... Oh, there's there's some real Terry Pratchett vibes in, in this uh, series of chapters. I'm glad that you mentioned that, because it it, <laughs> it, it it reminded me of it. Please, yeah. please, sorry for interrupting. Oh, I, I think... Uh, I think if you're going to be a successful torturer, you need to have a certain amount of uh, emotional distance from your work. And honestly, not spoiler, uh, that's where Severian fucked up. Well, he he fell in love immediately with uh, Thecla, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like he was he was down (laughs) terrible. (laughs) I think that like we all have moments in our lives or even in our jobs where things would be better off if we'd have dunked our balls in ice water before we walked in and clocked in. (laughs) Who who has not who has not fucked up the torture by uh, (laughs) allowing the client to kill themselves because groups among us? (laughs) (laughs) Who has not gotten chastely horny in in a weird Byzantine way? (laughs) Yeah, Um, yeah. You know what, Pete? The you mentioned middle management, and um, this makes me think about like this is this is a breach, but it makes me think about some of the stuff we said about like the morality of war in the 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 post Hugo is like let's joke about Raytheon episode where mm-hmm. like like Raytheon is a company that doesn't want to acknowledge that it makes missiles, right? Like so it's like, mm-hmm. well we make parts of missiles and, and it's like they will you make all of the parts of the missile. Yes, but but any one given part of the company only makes a part of the missile. <laughs> we don't make the blow up part. We make all the oh. other part. But but, uh, but, but, but. It, it's it's the thing where like Nobody wants to be the guy who makes the missile. Nobody wants to be the guy who does the torturing. So the torturers are very focused on the parts of their jobs that aren't doing the torturing. They're like, oh, well, you know, we we, we keep the cells nice and clean and we are very polite to people. Also, we do all the torturing. But but then we then we take care of them and we're very nice but, and polite. But and- Kurt, <laughs> Kurt, by, 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 by the logic of the, the previous chapters that we read, if, for instance, you were to find one piece of a missile, you would actually have the entire missile. <laughs> the, the, the missile of Theseus. <laughs> Jeez. So well, well, I yeah, like, sorry, go, go, I, I was going to say, when, when, there's a, there's a very clear switchover to where they finally get to the torturing and they're like, oh, it's, it's now's the torturing. The torturing is happening, by the way. Sorry. <laughs> well, I, I, I found that to be like both um, like just psychologically deft, but also, uh, just chilling 
because he's like, oh, yes, well, you know, like it's Master Gerlose. And he's like, oh, yes, well, we'll explain all these things. And this is the thing. And uh, see this, this, this runs on lightning, which, uh, which is a great little aside, by the way. I'll, I do want to come back to that, um, where they, they find like the, the, there's wires sparking. And he's like, oh, yes, this machine runs on lightning. It has another name, but, uh, I can't remember, but, yeah. but I can't remember right now. Um, and then okay. he's like, oh, and then that thing over there is uh, such and such a necklace that uh, every time you breathe, it's basically a constrictor. Uh, How fucked up is that? That was so yeah. fucking I mean, good. Oh, my God. That, that, I would never I, – I could never come up with it's, an idea. It's, it's, it's like so pressing – it's like pressing, but the it, but it also works like a constrictor where every time you breathe, oh it 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 constrains even further and further just, just and further. Just a little bit at a time. It's so fucking good, man. I've read. Uh, okay, I'll 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 fess up. I've read all the Wikipedia entries on all the different m- methods of torture. You know, because I'm that kind of a person who reads that stuff. I Kurt, were you were that. you working at Abu Ghraib? Uh, you can complain. <laughs> no, this is a safe no. space here. <laughs> wow. No, no, I legitimately like Rage Against the Machine, and not for those reasons. Um, no, no, no. Like, like I this th- that's such a good idea. A good quote unquote good idea. It's such a powerful idea to include, and Gene Wolfe just drops it in like a little corner of the story. Like, here's a yeah, really I mean, good idea. <laughs> I'm going to talk about I mean, one the, but- paragraph. I, I, I've said it before, but it's like it it really is like there's so many little tiny ideas that are just just beautiful. You could write in like most most writers would want to write an entire book or half a book on just that idea. And he's like, yeah, it's it's fine. Somebody else can so, write that one. Sorry. OK, I've been um, waiting three minutes and 30 please, seconds. Pete, like, God Pete. damn it. I'm telling my story. OK, go for it. <laughs> I um, <clears throat> when I first left college and discovered that nobody wanted somebody (laughs) who like had a theater degree with a minor in Holocaust studies. Um, It's true. Do not, do not do that. Like I actually, actually get something employable. But anyway, um, I worked for, um, at an insurance adjuster firm and one of their largest clients was Honeywell. And a big thing that they would have me do is make scaled down copies using, you know, various copy equipment of Honeywell's like plants and all of this other stuff so that it would it would fit in like the various legal things that they were going through. And so you ended up seeing like like a hundred years of the different types of of uh, of logos and documentation and everything else they did, and there was a, like at least a five or a ten p- year period where Honeywell's motto was placing the world under your control. <laughs> and Honeywell makes air conditioning equipment, yes. heaters, and fucking cluster bombs. Yes, well, yes, and they the- definitely make bombs, and they also make thermostats. They're good yes. thermostats. And I just like when you said the Raytheon thing, I'm like, oh shit, that is close enough to home. I I need to say this, <laughs> confessing my sins. I made copies for those fucks. Well, that, uh, that, by Pete, the way, Pete, Pete, that 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 motto reminds me of Sherman Williams, who has the greatest <laughs> motto oh, and uh, logo with the paint? cover the world. <laughs> and this is like a fucking paint bucket dumping paint on like the world, like Spectre style. It's like fuck, dude. Anyway, uh, control the world is up there too. I'll I'll, I'll say. Oh, Sherman so, Williams should be a Captain Planet villain. <laughs> I think they are. 
So you were saying, why, Carla, why, st- why stop the, at painting, painting the town red? We could paint yes. the entire globe. So what's anyway, this book um, we're talking about again? Uh, yeah, yeah, Shadow of the Torturer. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a light read. Um, so yeah, uh, let me let me because uh, I just pulled up that uh, that sequence and it's so good because it, it again it's like this chilling way of managing Thecla's sort of anxiety. Uh, and, uh, so we, we get into like Alowin's necklace, right? The client is strapped into that chair, says Gurlose, and the pad is adjusted against the breastbone. Each breath he draws thereafter tightens the chain and that the more, so that the more he breathes, the less breath he can take. In theory, it can go on forever with very shallow breaths and very small tightenings. How horrible. What is that behind it? That tangle of wire and the great glass globe over the table. Ah said Master Gullows. We call this the revolutionary. The subject lies here. Will you, Chatelaine? For a long that was, moment. That's so good. That was so good. It's so that good. That was like some shit that a dentist does to you. Yes, yes. It says, uh, for a long moment, Thecla stood poised. She was taller than any of us, but with that terrible fear in her face, her height was no longer imposing. If you do not, Master Gullows continued, our journeyman will have to force you. You would not like that, Chatelaine. Thecla whispered, I thought you were going to show me all of them. Only until we reach this spot, Chatelaine. It's better if the client's mind is occupied. Now lie down, please. I won't be asking again. It's so good. Yes. And it's so final because you know that this is this is the shit right here, man. There's a sense, too, of like of like a trap closing, right? Like one of my favorite mm-hmm. things in a story is when somebody, is, somebody realizes that, that they've been in a trap for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it's already closing and you can't get out. And you realize that the last 10 moves you made, you were inside the trap and it was already too late. And now it's very too late. And that's the that sense of this is like very tangible. So so let me be real open here, because when I first read this, like when I first finished reading Shadow of the Torturer, the the revolutionary like alwyn's necklace is a great idea but the revolutionary terrified me fuck man dude it's good it's good it is so good because it's like okay so i just want to see i just want to point out like this is the aftermath right Mm so you know she she screams they take her back to the to, to her cell um and uh basically a severian goes to visit her and he says, uh, it says, I had to lean over her to catch the words. It's all right, I said. But I don't, not for your sake. If I hate my last friend, what would be left? There was nothing to say to that, so I said nothing. Do you know what it was like? It was a long time before I could think of it. Her right hand was creeping upward toward her eyes. I caught it and forced it back. I thought I saw my worst enemy, a kind of demon, and it was me. Her scalp was bleeding. I put clean lint there and taped it down, though I knew it would be soon gone. Curling dark hairs were entangled in her fingers. Since then, I can't control my hands. I can if I think about it, if I know what they're doing, but it is so hard, and I'm getting tired. She rolled her head away and spat blood. I bite myself, bite the lining of my cheeks and my tongue and lips. Once my hands tried to strangle me, and I thought, oh, good, I will die now. But I only lost consciousness, and they must have lost their strength because I woke. It's like that machine, isn't it? I said, Alwyn's necklace. But worse, my hands are trying to blind me now, to tear my eyelids away, 
Will I be blind? Yes, I said. How long before I die? A month, perhaps. The thing in you that hates you will weaken as you weaken. The revolutionary brought it to life, but its energy is your energy, and in the end, you will die together. That's so fucking good, man. That's so good. Every every part of the description is good. Like how first of all, how it doesn't actually explain anything. It it, like it it imply everything is through implication, but it's perfectly clear. Where Mm -hmm. it's like you can you can you can write it out and say it has inculcated another. It has inculcated a a a self destructive consciousness within yourself to such a degree that it will kill you. It will kill you with your own body, right? Yeah. But well, I, I, I thought I, I always, oh, I, I always thought it was like uh, it just basically really gave the your your own death drive like yeah, as yeah, much yeah. energy, yeah. Yeah, 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 like like a the happening type thing where it's like mm. it, it makes it makes your body suicidal sort of, but it, it through, through hatred of yourself. But mm-hmm. but right. but but the way that Severian talks about it is by it has created another thing inside of your body that is at, mm-hmm. at war with you. And wants to destroy you, and it's but it never says that. It just it just talks about it, and you get that so clear in a way that is much more effective than it, than if it had been like this is the revolutionary. What it does is it makes the client want to kill themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Like that 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 wouldn't be chilling in the way that this is, mm-hmm. right? So, right. do you guys remember dinosaurs? I mean, not not the not the animals, the the short story by Walter John Williams. Oh, no, I, I thought do. you meant. I thought you meant the uh, the yeah, TV, TV show. show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, because I still haven't read it because I, I wasn't feeling good for that. Oh, I, I'm not, had, I'm not uh, judging you. I had you, tummy but... trouble. <laughs> I, I think it's useful to like draw out confessions like that for you from time to time, but that's not where I was going. <laughs> okay, Severian. <laughs> <laughs> so one one of the things that that is. spooky about that story is that um, humanity at that point has evolved to the point where we're not particularly intelligent, but we've had uh, millions of years of game theory. And so as we're interacting with 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 species that are are demonstrably smarter than us, it's completely irrelevant because we you know we've experienced and tracked and modeled everything they're going to do. And that's how I felt about like the torturing scene where they let them through the implements and stuff and they realized the trap clo- closed in. It's not that these torturers are smart or even that they're you know particularly mean. It's just they're they're in this machine labeled the Torturers Guild, which has been doing this for a long time well i mean uh, to, to your point pete i think it's a i i don't remember if it's in the next chapter um but i think it is but it, severian himself says exactly that that you know he he got he finally saw because he goes and confesses that um you know he he slips uh thecla a knife uh out of sort of like uh Perhaps mercy, uh, which is misplaced for his for his profe- his profession, which he just chose, uh, and and uh, symbolically so as well on the feast day, uh, and received their chrism and all that good stuff, and um, and so he he confesses that he slipped her a knife and he uh, denied the torturers guild, um, you know what they were supposed to they were contracted to do right. Uh, and there's some weird uh, legal uh, argumentation going on, like legalistic type stuff, where uh, Gerlos and Palaman are, are talking about like, well, 
they could, you know, that was great. That was great. Yeah. I, I just find it really, it also is chilling in its own way. Right. Because it's like, yeah, we, we, we all know that you deserve death. Everyone agrees. Everyone agrees that you should die, but it doesn't make it. uh, Unfortunately, that wouldn't work out for us. Everyone, everyone, including Severian is like, I should die. I guess you should. But we can't do that, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, and and the the argument is that it would uh, it would basically cause um, sort of the the prestige that the uh, the guild of uh, seekers for truth and penitence would be much much uh, decreased. So much so that the autarch might send guards to yeah. watch over everything, and uh, you know, and then they would be suspect. Um, no one would want that. So uh, that actually all, all of it sort of works in Severian's favor in the sense that he does not die, even though he wanted to. He gets off uh, absolutely scot-free for the most part. Yes. Yes, yeah. exactly so. Uh, but, uh, can, can I say one thing? Uh, there is a neat inversion, right? Bet- where uh, Of the knife, of what the knife mm-hmm. represents, right? Because in any other story, Severian giving the knife to Thecla would be so that she could kill herself and take her own life to escape the torture, right? Mm -hmm. But it's actually the opposite. He's not really giving the knife to Thecla. He's giving the knife to the revolutionary, to her rebellious body, so it can kill her better. And Mm -hmm. he specifies... She would resist through force of will. He's not arming Thecla to kill herself. He's arming the thing that wants to kill Thecla that is inside her body to make it better, knowing that she will struggle, but ultimately that she will die. So it's mercy by arming her enemy. Isn't that fucked up? Isn't that great? That's so clever. And it's in one paragraph. This dude's a good writer, I think. Yeah, Kurt. Kurt, you 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 said you suddenly. uh, Kurt, the way you said that, um, I'm sorry, it it gave me chills for a second because it sounded just like the six fingered man. Yeah, how wonderful! How wonderful! Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So um, so yeah, uh, we we get uh, so basically we get uh, what's his face, Uh, Severian. (laughs) What's his face? (laughs) What's Um, his mask? Yeah, whatever. Um, so he he says that uh, he now sees them as a client. Like he he now sees his his former guildmates as he would as a client would view them, and sees how powerful they are. Because basically, uh, to your point, Pete, um, that they are simply a a part of a a an intricate machine that is almost perfect. Uh, so yeah, it, it, he, he sees it as well. And, uh, but because there are these legalistic arguments as to why they cannot actually even really come clean publicly with what happened, um, they basically, you know, sort of brush it under the rug, uh, hide everything and send him on his way. They exile him from the guild, uh, but by giving him a job as a as a a mere executioner and not a torturer, a carnifex, which is carnifex. a cool ass name, mm-hmm. yes, it literally means butcher. By the way, yes. Oh well, and it's it's uh, uh it's from the Odyssey, isn't it? Or the Iliad, actually. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, Car- carnifex was one of uh one of the Achilles's dudes, and he was oh. uh. 
he he was he was an aggressive dipshit. He was really an Aries type. I I mean it it also literally means like like meat person. Right. I think it's like also carn is like carnivore. It shares like a root. I mean, I'm, I'm looking it up, and it says specifically public executioner in ancient Rome. So interesting. Mm. They were big on strangling people and throwing them mm. off the uh, off that fucking rock. They loved oh, well, throwing that, people. Off you know, the you rock. had me for a called? second, but <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, no, what rock? Say more. Uh, the Tarpeian rock. Um, that on uh, the side of the Capitoline Hill was like a high. It, it, it's it's like a cliff in the middle of Rome, and they would throw people off it. Do you Ooh. smell what the Tarpeian Rock is cooking? <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah. So 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 Ro- Rome's Rome's two favorite methods of execution were one throwing people off of the Tarpeian Rock, which is like that scene in like uh, Midsummer. Um, not great. The other one was um, they would like garrot people. And then, but they would garrot them like right next to a trap door and then just like throw them down the door into like a tomb and be like, well, that's the, all done with that guy. Um, so that's, <laughs> that, that's what they would do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Thank you, Pete. Thank you, Pete. I, I, this may be the episode where I'm least useful, guys. I'm really feeling it. <laughs> So we also get uh, in chapter 14, uh, Master Palaemon asks him to come back and gives him a gift, which is the sword Terminus Est, um, which, which it, uh, it is insane, right? I mean, this is basically it's an artifact. <laughs> it's like on the way much. out. It's like, here's the hand of Vecna. Yes. OK, OK. The way. Uh, I, I, I have to get out my phone to look up the exact text because the way that he describes it, that Severia describes it, is so funny to me because he he says, I'm not going to do the thing, and then he does the thing. Um, so he says, I shall not bore you with a catalog of her virtues <laughs> and beauties, followed by a really long paragraph that catalogs all of Terminus Est's virtues and beauty. <laughs> her grip was onyx bound with silver yeah. hands. He's like, he's like I can't blah. even tell you how cool this sword is. It's pointless. But also, here's a really long paragraph where I'm going to tell you. <laughs> I, I also... <laughs> So, um, Pete, you might, you might, uh, you might un- uh, understand what I'm, I'm going to reference here. I'll do my best. So, so do you remember in um, when D and D's third edition came out? They had like that weird, those weird swords that had like, uh, I forget what it was called, like uh, the the ones that had like a, a channel of quicksilver in the middle, so that they would oh, have yeah. like a cool, yeah, it's so cool, man. So I this is that. this is this is exactly that, right? Uh, when Master Palaemon uh, describes that, uh, when uh, he says that, basically um, he hands it to to Severian. He says, uh, ha- "You have no difficulty, no master." But she writhed when I poised her. Mercurial weapons. Says, yes, and so he says, "There's a channel in the spine of her blade, and in it runs a river of hydrogyrum, uh, metal heavier than iron, though it flows like water." Thus, the balance is shifted towards the hands when the blade is high, but to the tip when it falls. He can't just say Mercury. He can't. No, it's He's got to find the better, cooler name for Mercury. <laughs> and Mercury's so a cool name. It's already a cool name. 
It's already a cool yes. name. And he's like, no. Like even no, Quicksilver would be a cool name. Like like Mercury? No, cooler. Quicksilver? No, no. Fucking cooler. Yeah. Hydrogyrum. <laughs> it's, it's like it's, yeah. the, it's the Vince McMahon. It's uh, Vince McMahon. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, he's falling okay. out of the chair. Somebody <laughs> needs to commit to make that. I, I will do it. I will All do right. it. Um, okay, so now is now is the time when I will speak of the thing that I alluded to before uh, about Terminus Est in Warhammer 40k. So if you if you Google Terminus Est, you will arrive at the Wikipedia uh, a, a disambiguation page for Terminus Est, which is Terminus Est, a sword in the science fiction series Book of the New Sun by Gene Wolfe. Terminus Est, a sword in the video game Castlevania Symphony of the, Symphony of the Night. Terminus Est, a sword in the online game Path of Exile, uh, some some anime thing that uh, sorry light, light novel thing technically which I I, I won't uh, I won't deign to speak of, and then Terminus Est, the flagship of Typhus of the Death Guard in the Warhammer Forty Thousand universe. It is basically a warship uh, of the Plague God Nurgle, um, and so if you now now. I, I'm sure that Terminus Est was a thing before uh, Book of the New Sun, but but if you want evidence of a direct connection, I, I I think you've got it there. So, that there is literally a ship that seems like it might be named after Severian's sword in Warhammer 40k. There it is. <laughs> oh, or possibly Castlevania. Or, or, or Castlevania, too. I, I mean... It's a great fucking name. It's so good. <laughs> it's one of those things where you hear it and you're like, fuck. And then you find out that the thing you originally heard stole it from four other things. So, yeah. It, it, it is it, it is funny how he's like, you did the worst thing that you could possibly do. We're kicking you out of the guild. But also, here's the coolest sword that has ever been cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it is rather amazing. Uh, but you know, again, this might be simply it, some embellishment on <laughs> Severian's part. Oh, we're not sure. By the way, um, the 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 thing about like the weight shifting to the front, um, there are like police nightsticks that have like a uh, a shift. Yes, that literally does that. So that's fucked up. That's not great. A cab and so on. Yes, exactly right. Uh, well, a tab. All, yes, torturers all, torturers are, are, <laughs> all torturers are decent people, but you know, they have a tough job to do. <laughs> by, by the way, by the way, I I mentioned this in the last episode about the fact that um, their their torture doesn't seem actually to relate to extracting truth. It just seems like punishment, and once they do yeah. it, you're fucking dead. Uh, and that's very much, by the way, on on display with uh, Thecla, where it's like. There's no, there's no point. It's just like, yeah, we're just doing a really bad thing to you, and it's done now, and it's a really long, drawn out execution. Sorry, that's the deal. Uh, there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing to confess to. We're not torturing you to extract a confession, despite the truth seekers in our name. It's just sorry. It's a bummer. <laughs> yeah. This is this is a political process, and you're supposed to be tortured. Congratulations. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like. The focus is on the process, but the process is happening to you. Um, yeah. But, but but they treat it as if it's an unfortunate side effect. It's like, look, we have to do this thing. Unfortunately, it means that we're going to mega – we're going to super fucking torture you. 
That said, it's nothing personal. It's just a thing. Yeah. It's just oh. the thing that we do. You know what? I I went in and and uh, upgraded my phone at T-Mobile today, so all of this is really familiar. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anyway, so uh, he gets uh, assigned to be uh, the the Carnifex of Threx, uh, the city of windowless rooms, which sounds ominous. Yes, that that, that sounds like a normal place to live. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I I don't want to do that. <laughs> oh, can we can we briefly uh, talk about like so he he walks across, uh, he walks out of the citadel. He he basically puts the the, the tower behind him. Uh, he's dressed in his Felician cloak. He's dressed as uh, is you know basically his profession, right? Um, and he gets to a bridge and the, 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 I guess the, the guard uh, at the bridge, the guard captain calls him in and is like, yeah, you can't just be wandering around like that. There's people, it, it's, you're upsetting people. Uh, people are getting really upset about you just walking around like that, dressed as you are. And that's a very Byzantine thing that he's literally walked for one day and he has reached a place that not only treats his profession like a myth, like like a legend that he, like he has shown up, <laughs> but the, pl- the the physical geography where his profession originates from is a land out of myth. Where he's like, "What's that place that you call it?" He's like, "Oh, the Tower of Madikin." He's like, "No, no, 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 not that. the 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 place that that's in. Oh, you mean the Citadel? Which to 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 Severian, the Citadel is the whole world. Like it's been built yeah. up to us as the most important place in the world. And he mm-hmm. walks for one day, and he's like." And someone's like, what's that fucking thing over there that like we don't really pay attention to? Like, it, it's literally like he's walked 15 or 20 miles and nobody knows what's 20 miles away anymore. Or they treat it like it's the land of it, it's like it's like the, you know, the never ending story land. It's it's uh, <laughs> it's 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 really cool. It's a neat trick that he mm-hmm. does. Yeah. Um, and, and by the way, uh, the Terry Pratchett thing I was going to say is the. um. What the fuck is that guy's name? The, the like, like the the captain of the guard who's in the guardhouse. Vimes. The yeah. magistrate. No, 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 no. It, the 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 magistrate. Carrot? Uh, what? No, 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 no. Sorry, sorry. The the magistrate in this book. Um, oh, oh, the feels like Lord. Yes, feels like Lord Vetinari. He's written very similar mm. in how like he doesn't look up. Lord Veterinari never looks up when somebody comes in. He just keeps writing and then he'll pause ominously and say something that that felt like he felt like a very Lord Veterinari, Terry <laughs> Pratchett character. Yeah, he, he, he pauses long enough to, to, to sand what he's just written, but yeah, he doesn't really uh, look up. And then uh, basically uh, to your, to your point, uh, uh, Kurt, <laughs> he, he tells it in a stone cold stutter to someone. <laughs> <laughs> he he tells he tells the uh the his like the guy that brought him in that he sent out to bring him in he's like uh you know uh, what what odors would have uh if he was an imposter what odors would have uh you know it, it, what does he smell like and he's like oh rusting iron cold sweat putrescent blood an imposter would smell of new cloth or rags picked from a trunk if you don't wake to your business soon petronax you'll be north fighting the askians the peltas said but Lockage, shooting such a look of hatred toward me that I thought he might attempt to do me some harm when I left the Bartizan, show this fellow you are indeed of the Torturer's Guild. 
The Peltast was relaxed, so there was no great difficulty. I knocked his shield aside with my right arm, putting my left foot on his right to pin him while I crushed the nerve in the neck that induces convulsions. Again, he did the Stone Cold Stunner team. Oh. It's like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> you just like fucking killed that dude. <laughs> just well, the whole idea that like all of this is just a normal part of his life that he didn't even bother to mention. Yeah, and like in, in passing, he he like pulls this yes. shit on a guy. It's he, it's yeah. awesome. I'm gonna do the five point star uh, exploding palm technique on this guy. <laughs> please please show him that you are an actual and, kung fu master then, who knows the five point uh, exploding uh, heart technique and then it jumps ahead and you never fucking find out what happens to that guy the, yeah. Like, yeah it's it's to use a an always sunny term it's the implication you know when he when he went to the what is it the moon garden the like the prostitutes they really should have done a version of that scene here. <laughs> okay, please okay, so, show him that you're. Yeah. A- <laughs> I, I feel like a lot of fantasy series from the '90s would have done that, where they're like, "We torturers also know how to give pleasure in a different <laughs> way." Right? Like, well, is it thing? Isn't isn't that basically the premise of uh, Fist of the North Star? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa, uh, no, well. So I don't know. So, somewhat. I'm. I'm. I'm not. I'm. I'm mostly being glib. But isn't he like supposed to be able because he's just basically so good at yes, being you know whatever he does. Yes. Yeah, he's so good at it that he can just sort of like. I don't know if Kinshiro fucks though. He seems to not. That mm. does come up in uh, Remo Williams. Those books. Oh, have you guys ever read those no, books? <laughs> no. Holy no. shit! They're so bad. We have to read one. <laughs> <laughs> they're so bad. Ay, ay, ay. Ah. Uh. Yes, so sir. So let's talk about the last chapter where uh, Severian sleeps in a bed with some other people. <laughs> yeah. with, with one gigantic dude. With a giant dude. He sleeps in a bed with the biggest dude he's, he's ever seen. And uh, and uh, some funny stuff. <laughs> yeah, he it's, has... such an anti- it, it's such an anti-climate. <laughs> I mean, it's such it's such a weird like the the way I I saw this is the more I read it it, it feels like he's having like he took whatever uh, Saint John did yes. before he wrote Revelations and yeah, yeah, yeah. this it's, is this is exactly what he's dreaming is like okay if if A A Milne had written this it would be called like Chapter Fifteen in which Severian takes a nap <laughs> <laughs> an uncozy nap yeah. <laughs> so, cause, cause, yeah, like, because like, so, so he, uh, he he gets kicked off the bridge by whatever the guy's name is, and he's like, "Look, find somewhere to sleep, please. Not here. Everyone's you're freaking everybody out with your fucked up weird cloak and your weird fucking face." <laughs> by the way, I love what he's like when uh, Severian shakes his head and he's like, "I can't see what you're doing under that fucked up cloak." <laughs> Like, please pull the cloak back so I can see if you're shaking your head or nodding or whatever it is. You're yeah, doing. I, 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 I can only see your nose wiggle. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I can't see a damn thing. So he goes to um, what is essentially the inn at Bree of this setting, and he just he just sits down, and the innkeeper is like, "Can you please leave?" And he's like, "Nope, I'm just gonna stay here. I'm I'm gonna take a nap." In fact, and like people are leaving the inn. And he's like, "I'm just gonna hang out here. Uh, if you don't like that, give me a room." And he's like, eh, "Okay, fine." So he gives Severian a room in the in the room of some people who haven't paid. And he's like, look, you can share a bed. By the way, this is like a good um, this is a good like bit of like medievalism almost because uh, like bed sharing was very normal 
um, in the pre-modern era to the point that um, this is this is this is weird, but I'm just going to say it anyway. Like it was it would have been normal for an entire family to sleep in one bed, including the implication of like, like, you know, it would be a family of like kids and their parents and the parents would be fucking. And that was just like a thing that would happen. Yeah, well, there was there was no room in the house. Right, exactly. It was all in one room. And so I was like, well, this is the room where we all are. And that's I get like the idea of privacy is like a modern era. You get that sense in this. Well, and you um, know what would be under the floor is the pigs. Yes, or, or or if you were in the Byzantine Empire, you might indeed have a a uh, an archaic uh, version of like floor heating. Um, or or in uh, Japan, in a pre modern Japan, also had like archaic versions of uh, floor heating, like hot gas and stuff. Anyway, oh, anyway. I would. I would yeah, <laughs> sorry. Uh, you sure you don't want to go farther off path? We can do it. Not, not really. Not really. So, <laughs> so yeah. So, um, so the innkeeper puts him in a room with like a giant sleeping man, and he has a bunch of weird fucking dreams that seem like something out of a Dark Souls game, <laughs> <laughs> or a uh, blasphemous, actually, uh, a a Dark Souls ish. Uh, game. Yes, uh, it much more Catholic. Much like that, yes. where it's like lots of yeah, it's very Catholic, where it's like this blood. Uh, and like a big flying bird, and then women with with tits like rams and butts that can crack the earth. I believe, <laughs> I believe yes. it's the way buttocks that can crack the earth or something along those lines. So, uh, can, can I, uh, speaking of um, of medievalisms and whatnot, I also wanted to point out that this is one of the few times that we we actually get a little bit of uh, the picaresque uh, tone to this. Um, when 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 the when he he basically sits in the in the inn and the innkeeper's like fussing and going like well you gotta leave he's like I'm not I'm too tired to leave I, I, <laughs> I I've taken my boots off and I'm too tired now and blah blah and so he says um the the innkeeper says you're the carnifex ain't you you take their heads off uh, bring me two of those fish I smell and you won't have anything but the heads left it's just a a great little joke <laughs> just a funny little joke in there. From the uh, the exile torture, it, it did make me wonder how they recognized him. Like it, it was, it's an interesting bit where like they know that he's the Carnifex on his way north, and it, and it makes you wonder like, is it because they've heard gossip? Is it because they recognize his outfit? Like, what's the deal? Like, is it a, is it a misunderstanding that happens to be correct? It's an interesting. Hmm. I like, assumed gossip. it was the outfit, but yeah, that is interesting. Now that you 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 scratch at that. Well, I mean, you know, a guy, shirtless guy with a, just a, a, a dead, a dead, a dead black cloak, uh, and a big you know, carrying sword. a sword. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm not sure. You, you, you could probably guess a couple of other things, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I probably guess right off the yeah, bat, it's like execution, you're a right? Dentist, aren't yeah. you? Who's this fucked up weird? Who's this fucked up weird guy? <laughs> Are you in a metal band? <laughs> Yeah, he's he's uh, in the band Ghosts, as it turns out. It turns out he's motherfucking Glenn Danzig. Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys, I, something very cute just happened. You know, we talk Uh-oh. a lot about Chewy, but you know, I have another dog, Leia, who's a little older and a little less insane. <laughs> she just brought me her bed. Oh. It's like, dude, it's time. What the hell? <laughs> I will say so. Okay, here's a cute thing. It's also sad, but it's but it turned out fine, so it's not really sad. Um, my dog, whose name is Autumn, she's a corgi. 
And she is yeah. clever in a stupid way. <laughs> She's got the, you know how there's like the unique sort of clever that stupid people have? She has the unique sort of stupid that clever people have. Um, mm. she knows she's smart enough to get herself into a lot of trouble. Yeah, and the trouble that she got herself into was eating an entire bag of uh, yogurt covered raisins. Um, raisins I only learned in the past five or six years are very bad for dogs. They can call like they can cause like kidney shutdown. Like it's it's mm-hmm. extremely bad. Uh, so we found some chewed up raisins recently, and I was like, well, it looks chewed up, but she didn't eat them, so that's fine. So I'm not going to worry about it. So this morning I was outside in the backyard and I found a a blob of chewed up rate of chewed up and barfed out raisins the size of two fists together uh, surrounded by like chewed up white chocolate yogurt. And I was like, OK, I need to take that this good. to the vet. So I took her to the vet. And when I brought her back from the vet with a clean bill of health, she was fine. Um, My my two daughters received her like the Pope visiting South America for the first time in 50 years. <laughs> and they went, Autumn, ah, they came over, we're hugging her and petting her. Um, and and I don't know where I'm going with this story, apart from it was very cute. And she was like, oh, I'm getting lots of attention. This is wonderful. This is wonderful. And some and some some cute pictures came out of it that I'll probably put on Instagram or Facebook or or whatever. But uh, I like dogs is where the 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 point of the story and I want to hear more about the dog in this story, and I don't know that I will, but I hope I do. I'm just so happy Autumn's okay, man. That's great. Me, me too. And she's fine. Every time something super bad seems to happen, she always seems to come out fine because she is uh, – the, there was a uh, Chapo Trap House bit at one point about the Golden Mongo where it's like the stupidest person you can imagine, but nothing bad ever happens to them, like Mr. Magoo. <laughs> she's she's the Golden Mongo dog. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Uh, well, I think we, we, we might do, be we, there. Oh, go ahead. I mean, sorry. We, we do. Uh, we do get a little uh, brief glimpse or hint of perhaps Triskel being around, but uh, oh yeah, I think yeah, it's yeah. outside the hallway, right? Outside the hallway, here's like the scratching and whatnot, and then um, and then he, he sees Master Malrubius open the door, and he's like. And then I remembered that Master Malrubius had been dead since that I was, was a great. Boy. That was great, by the way. It's yeah. such a great. Yeah. Okay, okay. So at the very end of this, when um, what's the fuck is the, what the fuck is the guy's name? The talkative guy. So there's there's Bald uh, uh, Talos. Talos. Okay, Doctor Talos. Talos and Bald Nar- By the way, I love that he's Doctor Talos. <laughs> it's like how I have a cat called Mister Mustard. <laughs> 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 um. So there's Baldnarius, uh, is that right? Bald, something like that. Baldanders. So, Baldanders, thank you. And Dr. Talos, I, okay, I haven't read Liber, but I get a very Fofford and the Grey Mouser vibe from them, where there's a big guy and a little guy. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, I, I can see that. I was going to say, what it is, is, is either one of them banging a 13-year-old? I'm just asking Uh-oh. questions. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> We don't know yet. We'll have to. We'll have to wait to find out in the next episode. At this point, we don't know. <laughs> yes. All right. So I think we've uh, we've gotten to uh, the next uh, installment. Uh, tune in next time to find out what what else, what other dumb shit Severian does. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. This is great. This this book has its fucking hooks in me. And oh. if if it doesn't get its hooks in you when he's like he's talking about walking along and and by the way it's so relatable and he's like 
This awful thing happened to me, but I was secretly excited about walking through the countryside. Which, which, by the way, you're not allowed to walk on the roads because it, mm-hmm. it yes. was an old, fucked up, weird emperor was like, nobody on the roads. And they're like, all right, nobody on the roads. Yeah. Um, it's so it's so good. And that that whole part, like if if that doesn't hook you, in my opinion, stop reading the book. You don't deserve it. Because <laughs> that's it's, such, it's not for that's you. Such classic fantasy shit. Like it's so I don't know. It's so um, uh, I, I often struggle with fantasy that is in discourse with something in the real world. Right. Mm-hmm. When, because it feels like it's not fully fantasy. It feels like it's like pop pop lit or something that's using fantasy as a lens and this feels mm-hmm. so much of itself like it's so up its own asshole that it is an, <laughs> it is an an oroboros of like aesthetics and ideas where nice. it's, just, it's just a thing it's just like a weird thing here's a weird story from a weird guy with a weird sword and it's just it's its own thing maybe oh, don't, in 1980 don't. it would have meant something i don't know i'm not sure i wasn't born yet but now it's just a weird fucked up thing. Read this fucked up story. Don't, don't forget that the the it, when he has his dream, the sea that encircles uh, all of the world is the Ouroboros. So yes, and and uh, by by the way, I'm sure that this that this this will come again. There was something that felt very Lovecraft about um, mm-hmm. I a a bear is that it Arbaeus Abaya 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 feels very Lovecraft to me. I got a little. I got like a. Like a sniff, and I was like, "What's that?" Feels like Lovecraft. Yeah, the the brides of Abaya. Yeah, felt very um, very uh, like uh, creepy, gigantic mermaid ancient, women. Yeah, ancient ancient things w- awaiting the right time to eat everything. Seems yep. like Lovecraft. Yep, yep, yep. All right. So uh, I think that uh, that's as good a time as any, as Pete has already uh, indicated, and Leia before him. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, that indicated. was aggressive, wasn't it? <laughs> it was just like, a, hey, you're done, buddy. You're done. <laughs> you finished. All right. You finished, kid. <laughs> All right. So uh, thanks, both of you, for for. Uh, reading along with us and to everyone that is listening who is also reading along uh, thank you very much and for listening and we'll catch you next time here at Podside